This is episode 41 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and my guest tonight is making his second appearance on the show. He's the co-host of the Cult of Hockey podcast, Bruce McCurdy. Bruce, it's good to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me, Eric. Always fun to chat about the good old days. Yeah, for sure. It was awesome talking to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was awesome talking to you last time I had you on and uh, hearing all those memories of watching Wayne Gretzky and those Dynasty Oilers clubs of the 1980s. And uh, I know you're a numbers guy. So since Gretzky turned 61 last month, Mm -hmm. was born in 1961 and set 61 NHL records, I figured it was a good time to have you back on to talk about more of the great ones, uh, record-breaking performances with the Oilers. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I can name you all 61 of them, Eric, but uh, <laughs> probably going to make a pretty fair running start at it. But uh, uh, to the best of my knowledge, he had 61 records when he retired, and he still does have 61 official NHL records and probably hundreds more of sort of unofficial records like uh, X number of points and Y number of games and that sort of thing that uh, um, he would uh, also stand alone at. I do know he set, uh, he was credited with one one NHL record after he retired, and I think he lost one record after he retired. But uh, the, one, the one he got was uh, points per game. Uh, at the very end of his career, when his production finally started to de- decline to mere mortal records, uh, Mario Lemieux actually passed him for a while in points per game. And when Wayne retired, Mario was slightly ahead. Then Mario played out the tail of his career, and of course his own numbers declined back down below Wayne. So that was uh, it's one of the records that's relatively close, but uh, it was the last one he actually uh, got credited with setting, and it was several years after he stopped playing the game that he got that one. So yeah, and if I'm of, not mistaken, the record that he lost was Danny Heatley scoring five goals in the All Star game in 2003. That sounds about like the one. So I, I, and I, I think one was in a shootout, I want to say so, but I'm pretty sure the NHL credits him with, with that record now. So that, that might be the, the one he lost. Right. Um, and you know, since it was Gretzky's 61st birthday recently, let me just start by asking you, what do you remember about his 18th birthday, his first birthday as a member of the Oilers back on January 26th, 1979? Yeah, I remember a fair little bit about that. Um, just the way the way the hockey gourds were smiling on Edmonton at that time and subsequently for basically the entire time that Wayne was here and then a little beyond that, uh, <clears throat> the Oilers set their schedule, their WHA schedule in the summertime of 1978. And, you know, we got our season tickets and everything. We had... Uh, um, all, you know, our tickets for, for all the games. And the Oilers didn't even have Wayne Gretzky on the roster until November 2nd of uh, 78 when uh, uh, Peter Pockington made the big purchase from uh, Nelson Scalvania to add um, uh, Gretzky as well as Peter Driscoll and Ed Mio, two other pretty good WHA players. But, I mean, Gretzky was a 17-year-old wonderkind who... Uh, uh, came over in that uh, in that exchange, and at that point Wayne had signed a 
seven-year contract with Nelson Scalvania, which is hardly small potatoes. I think it was $250,000 a year in that range uh, for uh, for seven years. And Wayne actually hadn't signed it. His dad, Walter, and his agent, Gus Bedali, had signed it on Wayne's behalf because he hadn't achieved the age of majority right mm-hmm. at, that, at that point. He was still just 17, right? So anyway, the 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 the, the the smiling hockey guards had set it up in advance that the Oilers were scheduled to play not just a game, but a home game on January 26th of 1979, the day that uh, that Gretzky turned 18. So uh, we'd already been, been marveling at his fabulous, obvious, uh, unique uh, skill set that he showed right from day one. Uh, things that he did that we hadn't seen before, and frankly, some of those things I haven't seen since. And everything was going swimmingly in that 78-79 uh, season. Well, this was still a WHA. This was Edmonton. They were getting 10, 11, 12,000 people out for uh, uh, for games, you know, maybe close to a full house on the weekends. So, they uh, they kind of put out a little bit of a teaser and said we're going to be doing something special for Wayne's birthday just to kind of tease uh, the uh, walk up traffic a little bit. Uh, and uh, as if I recall right, twelve thousand three hundred twenty one showed up for that weeknight game against the Cincinnati Stingers, which was sort of just another game on slate halfway through the season. And they. So we came down a little bit early to watch, you know, we thought, well, we'll see what they have. And they had kind of a schmaltzy ceremony. They had Wayne's whole family there, Walter and Phyllis, his his dad and his mom, Sister Kim, all of his brothers were there. They're all wearing the, you know, Gretzky 99 sweaters. And they had this little thing out of center right with a birthday cake. It was two two cakes, and they each were the number nine. So of course it was ninety nine. But if you added them together, it was eighteen. So <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of arithmetical fun. See, you are and, a numbers guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was it was a little, uh, you know, it was it was schmaltzy and okay, and there was plate applause and stuff. And then Peter Parkinson took the mic and said, "Now we're now we've got a special surprise." Uh, we're announcing that today uh, Wayne has <coughs> has uh, made a long-term commitment to Edmonton. Uh, because he didn't sign the original contract, we're going to nullify and negate that one, and we're going to replace it with a 21-year personal services contract to expire in 1999. And that Wayne would play... Uh, uh, would commit to playing for Edmonton. It was a special, it wasn't a standard player's contract, WHA or NHL. It was a personal services contract that uh, was a specific contract between Gretzky and Peter Pockington. Now, Wayne sure knew how to pick him, right? He had uh, he had a, a, a Scalvania, uh, Pockington, and Bruce McNall were his first three owners, and I think they all did jail time at one time or another. But anyway, yeah. he uh, he got into bed with uh, with uh, Peter Parkinson, so to speak, and on this one. And the idea was, and it was that the contract was going to be bulletproof. That at such time as there was a, a merger, and part, a big part of the focus here was the WHA was really angering uh, towards. Um, 
you know, they were the, the league, as fun as it was, the Rebel League, it was unsustainable in the longer term. And they take into more and more sort of desperation tactics to uh, make themselves competitive. And one of them was signing these younger players. NHL couldn't sign players until they were 20 years old or even draft them until they were 20 years old at that time. Wayne's actual draft year was not going to be till 1981. Well, this was January of 1979. But uh, he was... Uh, um, uh, at that point, prepared to make that commitment and sign that uh, personal services contract, which in the fullness of time proved to work. It did. It was one of the key uh, elements, I'm certain of it, uh, that forced the merger. And that Pockington always said, it's a deal buster. If the NHL wants to come in, they can take some of our players away, but they're not taking that player. If they are, we're just not, we're not going to. Oh, so that's that's part of the the factor of making it a personal services contract. Yes. That he was he was going to be an Edmonton Oiler no matter what. Yes, yeah, he was going to be Peter Parkinson's. Uh, I don't think he said indentured servant, uh, <laughs> but it was you know it was kind of tending in that direction. And uh, uh, anyways, uh, however they cut it, uh, they were able to uh, later forge a deal with the NHL that the NHL allowed the WHA teams to keep uh, a couple of their own skaters, a couple of goaltenders, like you need two goaltenders in a, in a draft like that. But uh, the key element in all of that was Wayne Gretzky. And the contract that he signed that allowed him, uh, or allowed Peter Pockington to not only enter the NHL, but to enter it with this phenomenal hole card of this you know, young superstar, the likes of which the game had not seen before or hasn't since as far as uh, as far as I'm concerned for sure and and I believe that's still the longest contract in North American professional sports history right I believe that's the case uh, Eric uh, I've never heard of anyone signing law I mean 21 years my goodness the kid was 18 years old he was signing it for you know a longer term than he'd lived his entire yeah. life at that point so and we've seen in the NHL, we've seen some sort of 15-year deals. And now, of course, they have limits on them where they can only go to seven or maximum eight years that they can sign with uh, if they stay with their with their existing team. Like we see that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the name mm-hmm. two, have eight-year contracts. Well, that's the max. And uh, Duncan Keith, to name another, he signed a 13-year contract with Chicago under the previous regime and i think we've seen him go up to about 15 i think Ilya kovalchuk signed a 17-year deal okay, with new jersey yeah, I, I believe it yeah that sounds about right and and uh you know rick d pietro he signed a big long-term contract 15 years with the, the islanders like, yeah and i mean these none of them were you know guaranteed some of them worked out i mean Alex Ovechkin, I think he signed a 13-year deal and at the end of the 13 years he was worth more than he was when he when he signed it the first time, is you know it wasn't like he had a deteriorating last few years of his contract. He's still going strong. Mm-hmm. So from, uh, uh, but nobody, to my knowledge, has ever gone twenty one. I mean, it's the full length of a pro career. Nowadays, you have your three year entry level before you even start talking Turkey about any kind of extended deal. So that's in hockey, but in what other sport has anybody signed that long? I don't think anybody. No. And uh, Bruce, when the Oilers entered the NHL later that year in 1979, 
Mm-hmm. Do you know how they reworked the contract so that it would be allowed under NHL rules? I don't. And uh, I, you know, it, I think it kept sort of its major terms, but I'm sure they would have actually had to change the piece of paper or attach some kind of a, 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 a appendix to it or whatever. Uh, what I do know is that uh, on that night, we were all pretty excited and there was a nice buzz in the place. I mean, 21 years, it was, I mean, yeah. everything had happened so fast. Edmonton had only had a team at this point in a pro hockey team for seven years. Uh, the Coliseum had only been on the ground for five years and then all of a sudden we're talking you know this great fantastic future that proved to be even more fantastic than we could have imagined but the, the cool thing about that game to me was uh, um, some of the <coughs> some of the connections that happened the Oilers were playing the Cincinnati Stingers who uh, had a couple of pretty good young players of their own on the under contract uh, underage players uh, they had a 19 year old kid named Mike Gartner who uh, he was part of the rash of WHA signings, uh, especially in that 78-79 season. Previously, the league had signed youngsters like Mark Howe, age 17, uh, a few 19-year-olds like uh, Ken Linsman. Uh, but in 78-79, uh, they really went uh, the extra mile. And uh, uh, Birmingham Bulls, for example, they signed uh, Michelle Goulet, Rick Vive, uh, Craig Hartsburg, uh, Rob Ramage, who would later be the first overall draft choice in uh, uh, in the NHL in 79. Uh, they had seven guys under the age of 20 in Birmingham. Cincinnati had Gartner, and they also had this young fellow from around these parts named Mark Messier, <laughs> and who had just turned 18 himself eight days prior to that. He was in this game. Mike Gartner was in this game. Wayne Gretzky was in this game. Three of them. Of course, at that point, none of them had ever played a game in the NHL. They were all rookie WHA players. And by the time they were done uh, playing pro hockey, and this doesn't even include their their WHA points, but the three of them together combined for, I think it was 6,098 points. Unbelievable. And two, no, two, 6,079 points, 2,298 goals. Anyway, somewhere in that range, over 6,000 points. They averaged over 2,000 apiece, a number that had never been achieved in the NHL by any one guy. These three guys averaged it. And, of course, Wayne scored almost half of those I was going to say, he, bo- he boosted up their totals <laughs> quite a bit. But... <laughs> the other guys were, you know, I mean, Messier had 1,900, and and Gartner was, uh, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel, and he had, what, 13 or 1,400 points. In, in and his... 700 goals. But yeah, exactly. And they all three score, uh, scored an assist in this game. So they all made the score sheet. Uh, also on the score sheet that night, the scoring hero was Robbie Fatorik, who was uh, Wayne Gretzky's first coach in Los Angeles a decade later. And uh, uh, they, ha- uh, they had uh, Barry Melrose on that team, who also coached uh, Gretzky in the future. They had Mike Liute, who had the closest battle for the Hart Trophy with uh, that Gretzky had during his entire time in Edmonton. And so there was all these sort of future threads there. And, of course, we didn't know where any of those threads were going or that they were going anywhere uh, at the time that it happened. But it just sort of planted the seeds, and it was just so much fun to follow. And the years after that, and see, you know, uh, Mike Gartner, 
wind up in the you know in Washington because the Stingers themselves folded at the end of that year, so their players went back in the pond. <coughs> and the following fall, uh, Mark Messier, uh, only eligible for the draft because he'd been a pro the year before and the youngest player in the draft by many months, the only 18-year-old in that draft. Somehow he went into the third round of the 1979 draft where the Edmonton Oilers picked him off and uh, he proved to be uh, one of, if not the greatest draft pick in the history of the Edmonton Oilers uh, franchise. Yeah, I think there's only one other guy you could argue might be superior to him and that story hasn't yet fully been told mm-hmm. but and they didn't get him in the third round 48 i mean can you imagine if someone sitting next to you in the uh the building that night had said you know those two teenagers one on uh edmonton and one on cincinnati uh, 25 years from now they'll be the top two scorers in nhl history mm-hmm yeah, well, Mess wound up with 694 goals and 1,887 points in That's the. Uh, this was in his one year in the NHL or WHA. He scored one goal. Mark Messier, ten assists. He was very much not ready. He was just this young colt, just getting his sort of first run on the pasture, and he uh, mm-hmm. he wasn't quite ready for it yet. But you could see. He had potential, but obviously no one could see how much potential, or he would have gone high in the draft the way, you know, Mike Gartner did, or Rob Ramage did, or, or Craig Hartsburg did. Mike Hart, uh, Gartner, he went fourth overall of that uh, great 1979 draft, and he went on to score uh, uh, 708 goals, as you say, in uh, 1,335 points. So he was... Uh, uh, you know, he was a distant third of the three, and that's a fantastic Hall of Fame career that he had. So just to see all these young young fellows on the same ice together, and of course it was the same when Birmingham Bulls came to town as well, uh, that made that last uh, season of WHA hockey particularly intriguing. But uh, we, we in Edmonton certainly had the crown jewel of all of that, uh, all of that emerging young talent. Absolutely, and uh, and the Oilers almost came uh, close to finishing WHA history on the right note with a championship, but obviously came up a little short in the Avco Cup final that year. Mm-hmm. Yep, they sure did. They they uh, beat New England Whalers in the uh, in the uh, semifinals. Of course, New England had uh, Gordy Howe, Mark Howe, Marty Howe, uh, and a number of other. Uh, aging star players. They had Bobby Hall at that point, Dave Keon. I mean, <laughs> I was up here first line. How, how, how Keon and Hull. But um, uh, the, the Oilers had a had a strong team, and they were able to beat back the uh, uh, the Whalers. And uh, uh, only in the finals did they did they run into their Waterloo with the uh, Winnipeg Jets, who uh, who won the last Avco Cup in a six-game series. Right. And I mean, looking back now, that must have been pretty special to say you saw Wayne Gretzky and Gordie Howe on the same sheet of ice multiple times. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. They played uh, They played against each other. Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, and Gordie Howe played against each other in both 78-79 in the WHA and again in 79-80 in the NHL. And then, of course, uh, Gordie retired. But they had that two-season overlap, 
uh, and a lot of the focus was, of course, on Wayne and Gordy, uh, but uh, uh, Messier and Howe also had some significant overlap with uh, uh, Messier being the second player to ever pass Howe, and just barely, like he finished with 37 more points than Howe scored. And he came within 11 games, I think, of Howe's game played record. And he actually held, and I believe still holds, the record for total games played, including playoffs. Messier does. And his career, 25 years compared to Howe's 26 years. Like, they had very similar endurance. And uh, they just went on and on and on for two and a half decades, uh, both men. So there's an interesting parallel there. Two very fearsome power forwards. Mm -hmm. And and were you also at... uh the 1979 WHA All-Star Series where I believe they played the Soviets? I was not, and I regretted it, and I still regret it, but uh, I had a a family wedding in Nova Scotia that Christmas. Oh, I see. And that was all out of my hands. And when the series was announced, I I followed it, but from Nova Scotia, there was no television. So I, I do know that they put... Uh, Gretzky on the line with uh, with Gordy and Mark Howe. Right. And they scored, Wayne scored a setup by both Howes at the 35-second mark of the first period of game one. They didn't waste any time <laughs> no. getting down to business. And they did sweep that series. So uh, three close games. I think it was 4-2, 4-2, for the uh, WHA. And all the games were in Edmonton. And it would have been great fun. And, uh, of course, talk to people who did go. And I... I just unfortunately did not get that experience personally. It, would, it was clearly once in a lifetime for those mm-hmm. that were there and zero times in a lifetime for me. And I believe at the time, Gordy Howe was 51 and Wayne Gretzky was 17. Yes. That's got to be the biggest age gap between line mates in hockey history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gord, <laughs> sorry, Gordy, Gordy was 50. And he turned 51 at the end of that season, and he turned 52 at the end of his last WHA oh, or NHL right. season. Yes. He just, his birthday was right, like March uh, 31st. And 1928. His, uh, uh, 1928, yeah. So he was, uh, uh, he he just turned, at the end of each season, he turned his sort of maximum age, so he, he played a few games at age 52. But I'll tell you what, at age 50, he was still a fearsome player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was an outstanding player in, in the WHA, and, and uh, uh, nobody wanted to mess with that guy. There was a story from the Russian series, and again, I didn't see this, but the, the, there was a guy that was hassling Gretzky on the... On the, on the uh, uh, Soviet team, Moscow, Dynamo, I believe it was. That was the team. And and, uh, and there's a passage in Gretzky's book about it where uh, he talked to Howe on the bench about this guy. And, and uh, Gordy said, Wayne, you just bring that guy over to my side, side of the ice and get the hell out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would have been a pretty good bodyguard to have. And Wayne said, I, I did exactly as I was instructed. And by the time I turned around, he was there he was lying on the ice. He said, I don't know what Gordy did to the guy, but I'm sure glad I didn't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, he, he would have been the epitome of old man strength, wouldn't he? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> also, I saw the second half of Gordy Howe's career. I started watching in 1962-63. So I only saw the last 16 years of his 
32 <laughs> only year 16. run. Yeah, I only saw the last 16. By then he was he was slow but unstoppable. Like they used to talk about how he walked around the ice, but nobody could take the puck off the guy. You know, he had all these power moves, but he wasn't like the winning of foot races. He was just winning battles uh, about a lot of them. Yeah, and I'm sort of similar to you in regards to Wayne Gretzky. The first year that I really followed the NHL was 1996-97. Okay. And that, I mean, I had watched hockey here and there before that, but that was the first year that I played minor hockey, and it was the first year that I'd really paid attention to it on TV. So I can remember the last three years of Wayne Gretzky's career, and obviously I have heard countless stories from my dad growing up and you know, read everything there is to read about him, watched everything there is to watch about him. But yeah, I can only remember the tail end of his career. But three years of Gretzky compared to 16 years of Hal, that's still a pretty big difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gordy would have been around that same age. I guess when I started watching in 62, he would have been 30, 34 years old. And of course, he retired for two years and came back in the the WHA took a little sabbatical in there. Yeah. So in 96, 97, Wayne then, that was when he was wrapping up his career in the Rangers. And all he did in the Rangers at age 36 and again at age 37 was lead the NHL in assists yeah. for the 15th and 16th time in his 20-year career. Not too uh, shabby, is it? <laughs> oh, well, one, last, one last footnote to that. One, Wayne did retire... In 1999, which is mm-hmm. exactly what he signed for his, his original commitment was to play hockey for 21 years. He didn't play all of them in Edmonton, but he did give us his best years. And he wound up living exactly out to that. Uh, 1999, he wrapped it up, he wrapped it up and uh, was immediately uh, uh, proclaimed uh, Hall, Hall of Famer without the standard waiting period. And he was, uh, I think he was the only member of his class in uh, in 1999, because his shadow would have, right. would have, uh, uh, you know, there there was there was only so much light to go around. And yeah, he had, it, he had it all at that point. And I believe the only two players who had the three-year waiting period waived before him were Bobby Orr and Mario Lemieux, if I have that right. There was there was a there was about five maybe. Um, or and Lemieux, Beliveau, uh, I think Dick Clapper was the first one. Okay. And, uh, there, so a couple of these guys, Guy Lafleur, and a couple of them, like Lafleur and Howe and Lemieux, they actually came back and played while, after while they were, they in, were in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. So that made things complicated. So they sort of were a little bit more tentative about sort of doing that for even like super great players but uh Gretzky one thing about Gretzky when he said he was going to retire he up and did it and he just stuck with it and then he was done yeah I've heard him talk about in interviews and the question always seems to come up did you ever consider coming back and and he's always said no I I knew that I was done and um but I've also heard him say that he felt like he had another 82 games in him so he he went out with some gas left in the tank, and I think that's probably how he wanted to end his career as well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you know, if if he would have stuck around another year, his final year was the only year he fell below a point per game in his entire career, right? So you, it makes you think. Like he 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 had what sixty seven points that year, I think, in nineteen ninety eight ninety nine. So he wasn't a even an average. He was still a well above average player by that point. Sorry. 
So, I mean, I he, he came fourth in assists or something. Yeah. Like, he was, uh, but he only scored nine goals. Like his, right. his, his goal scoring was, I mean, he was a playmaker first, second, and third by then. And not much of a finisher, although uh, he did set one remarkable record with his very last goal as a, as a pro. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Of course, I did not see this one. It was in New York. Uh, but his uh, final goal was his 1,072nd of his entire career, including WHA, NHL, regular season, and playoffs. And with his very last goal, a game winner against New York Islanders, their top rival, I might add, he passed Gordy Howe's 1,071, and the two remain one goal apart in this particular record all these years later. It's the very top of the list, 1072 to 1071, Gretzky over Howe. Gotta like wow. it. And he, he just always had a flair for the dramatic when it came to setting records, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked, uh, when we talked last time, so we won't this time about uh, the 50 and 39, mm-hmm. or the... Uh, a uh, phenomenal way in which he passed Gordie Howe's points record right here in Edmonton, which was an unforgettable uh, night in my life as a hockey fan. Uh, uh, he just had this tremendous flair for the dramatic and of not only beating records, but doing so with absolute gusto and annihilating the records in the process. And you said you met Gordie Howe the night that he broke Wayne Gretzky's record, or that Wayne Gretzky broke his record, right? Yes. Yeah, he was there to watch the record being broken, and uh, he was sitting up in a couple sections over from us uh, in the box seats, a few rows behind us. So there, they had these sort of temporary boxes walled in behind the lower bowl, the reds of the uh, old Coliseum. And of course, there's lots of buzz in the stands that night, uh, <laughs> and they had, uh, and some of the buzz was, hey, look, there's Gordie Howe over there. And uh, John Ziegler, I think, was with him and, you know, the commissioner of the NHL at that time. And and uh, Gretzky's parents were in the building, or his dad at least. And there, there, was, uh, there was a lot going on. But uh, I happened during the first intermission after Wayne had tied, but not yet, of course, broken the record, run into Gordie in the, in the concourse. Uh, uh, outside the men's washroom. And uh, so Gary uh, was right in front of me, larger than life. So <laughs> I took the opportunity to shake his hand. And I, I jokingly, with a big smile on my face, congratulated him for being the co-holder of uh, such a great record as most points. And he just laughed at me with you know, a little twinkle in his eye in a sort of understated fashion, said, not for long. <laughs> <laughs> And he was certainly right on that score. Well, I'm glad that you got to meet him. I met him once, too, back in mm-hmm. 2010. Uh, oh. Actually, right around this time, February 2010, it was right before the Winter Olympics, he mm-hmm. he did an event in Saskatoon that Wayne Gretzky was also here for. I didn't get to meet Wayne wow. that night. So I was. Uh, they were they were interviewed on stage together by Stephen Harper. Oh. And that was a, it was a Kinsman Club event. So... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was uh, in the building for that. Uh, a special night for sure for a 21-year-old me. <laughs> well, Stephen Harper, I, you know, he his politics and mine aren't exactly in the same book, let alone the same page, but he was legitimately interested in hockey history. Was, you know, that was a, yeah. that was a, a full-fledged interest of his and long established. So uh, uh, he came by that involvement, I would suggest, uh, honestly. Yeah, and I'm not a a big political guy or anything, but I will say he did a, a good job of interviewing both uh, 
Wayne and Gordy that night. I remember Gordy saying into the microphone, he said, uh, tough questions for Wayne, easy questions for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> by then, I think he was eight. Uh, he, he was over 10. Oh, yeah. He'd be 80, 81. 80, yeah. I guess 81. Just Almost 82. But, you know, still a gentleman right to the end and gave, you know, great answers. So now that we've uh, set the stage for some of Wayne Gretzky's uh, greatest records, I guess we should dive into them. And uh, Bruce, yesterday was the 40th anniversary of Wayne Gretzky breaking Phil Esposito's NHL record for most goals in a single season with 77 as the Edmonton Oilers beat the Buffalo Sabres 6-3 to at the old Buffalo Memorial Auditorium. So I think that... uh, that's the first record we should we should go into, and it might sure. be the only, I think it's the only one on this list as well that you weren't in the building for. Um, but uh, before we talk about the game itself, do you recall when you started to think that Gretzky might have a shot to catch Esposito that season? Oh sure, uh, opening night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes it easy. Yeah, uh, we this this was it's this was me being a. Um, a uh, 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 highly confident young fan of a rising team. I won't say arrogant, but uh, confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm much, I'm much more reserved now, of course. But uh, uh, back then, um, my f- two friends and I that shared season tickets for you know ten plus years there in uh, section E, row fourteen. Fred and Bob, my my buddies from Newfoundland, that uh, went to uh, uh, all those games with me and. and First or second intermission of the first game, I, we had this discussion. How many points do you think Gretzky will score this year, right? And because the previous year, of course, he'd beaten one of Esposito's records when he scored 164 points, right, uh, to uh, establish himself in the uh, uh, you know the greatest single season point scorer in NHL history. He was the first guy to average two points a game. But even that was unequal. Like he had 70 points in the first half, 94 in the second. And, you know, his rate was just continuing to grow, his scoring rate. And I said, well, he's going to, you know, he's going to average 100 points for 40 games. I think he's going to get 200 points. I think he's going to get 80 goals and 120 assists. So, uh, and it just seemed, you know, brash. I think you'd, you'd have to call a prediction. But in fact, it was an under prediction. And that he wound up with 92 goals and 120 assists. So I was shy by 12 goals. <laughs> and I would not heard anyone say 200 points before, but I, I could just see that there were going to be records set here that nobody had contemplated. And that was really the uh, uh, the year that, you know, the previous year, all he did was beat Phil Esposito's points record and Bobby Orr's assist record. That's all, right? This year was the one where he got the 50 and 39. And then after after that, he only got 42 in the last 41 games, goals. So he got, uh, you know, his scoring scoring rate was consistently a goal a game with that one big burst in the middle where he had 15 goals in five games. And so if you're going to score a goal a game, well, you're going to beat Esposito's record because he only, quote, air quotes, only had 76 and 78 <laughs> games in 1970-71. Uh, so that was in the sights. And that was the year that Wayne really started to go for the goals. He'd had a couple of 50-goal seasons before that. Yeah, 51 this and was 55, the, right? Yeah. Uh, 
But this year, he really started going more for the net. He set a career high of 370 shots on net, which was over 100 more than he had the previous year. And I'm not sure it was so much. He got more selfish. I never saw him as never saw him as a selfish player. Uh, he was unselfish to a fault. Uh, but he was also a team player to such a degree that he wanted the the shooter to be the guy in the best position. And oftentimes that was him. And so he wouldn't necessarily make that extra pass if he knew he could score himself. And so he just became a little more assertive around the net, and uh, he just just raised his finishing power by uh, by that uh, extreme degree that he went from 55 all the way to 92, which of course is still the NHL record to this day, and in no jeopardy of. Uh, of being broken anytime soon. None of these ones no. we're going to talk about are in, in any such jeopardy. So going into that game against the Sabres on February 24th, 1982, Gretzky had scored 76 goals after tying Esposito's record the previous game against the Detroit Red Wings at Joe mm. Lewis Arena. And after 40 minutes in Buffalo, Bruce, it didn't look like Gretzky was going to break the record that night until he single-handedly took over the game in the third period. Yeah, it was it was pretty special. Uh, now, w- one detail I remember about this game, which of course was televised here, um, so we did get to watch it on on TV. And uh, uh, he, uh, well, one funky thing that happened was that the picture dropped out in the first period. Oh wow! And so there was no picture, just the sound on the TV. And for an extended period, like basically, I think all or most of the of the first period and if you look at the box score of that game you'll see wayne had two primary assists in that first period including one where he uh, according to rod phillips who i was listening to had um uh, a pretty good chance to score himself but he saw curry in an even better position so he fed it over to curry to put it in and phillips was effusive talking about here's a guy you know could have set the nhl record right. but he saw a teammate in a better position so he passed it to him because that's what he does and he was right that is what he did so were you partially hoping that he wouldn't <laughs> set the goal record until the tv came back on yes absolutely <laughs> i was quite thrilled to hear that this you know i hadn't missed the all-important goal and then of course this game went yeah uh, into the third period tied uh three to three uh, well into the third period, and uh, the great Gilbert Perrault had scored all three of the Sabres goals, so he already had the hat-trick on mm-hmm. the night. And it wasn't until, uh, what, maybe seven minutes to go in the third period? I'm just pulling up the summary now. I do cheat when I talk to you a little bit and look at the box scores. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky unassisted, 13-24 of the third period. And I remember the play where he he picked off the pass just outside the blue line, and he broke in under pressure and and uh, uh, shifted a little bit to one side and was able to slide a, a shot along the ice that beat Don Edwards in the uh, uh, Sabres net for his uh, for his 77th of the season. And he he had this knack. Of, he'd get the goalie's feet moving, and then he'd shoot along the ice where when their weight was on a foot and they couldn't immediately react to it. He had this great sort of sense of what the what the opponent was doing, what he couldn't do, and he would find that weak point and he'd beat him there. And anyway, he he got that one. And you think, well, that's fantastic. Here's the here's the record. It's put the orders ahead four to three in the third period. The game's still very much on the line. Now what happens? 
Well, now what happens is a couple of shifts later, Gretzky goes out and scores an even nicer goal, his 78th to put it away at uh, at uh, five to three. And then in the last minute of the game, with the outcome no longer in doubt and the goalie even still in the net for uh, for Buffalo, Gretzky scores a nicer still goal, his 79th of the season, to complete the hat trick, the natural hat trick in the last seven minutes of play. And all of a sudden, he's not just past Phil Esposito, but he's three goals clear. And you know, the next one's going to be number 80. And where does this all stop? Like, there's just never seemed to be an upper limit. Right. So it was just wham, wham, wham. It wasn't just wham, I got the record, I'm going to take the rest of the night off. You know, it was like, let's He was never he like just... that. He always wanted to push his <laughs> offensive numbers as high as they, he could go. Yes, I mean, I guess that part you might say, if you want to make a case of him being selfish, it was that he didn't back off in, in garbage time the way you, you might see other players do it. And, I mean... The killer instinct was always there, yes. no matter what the score yeah. was on the board. Yeah, yeah, and I mean... I, I, I think of, uh, uh, for example, um, uh, one one famous record setter from another sport, uh, Pete Rose, in his 4,256 hits, I think he wound up getting. Mm -hmm. And you could see that guy, he'd come up to bat in the top of the ninth of an 8-1 to one ball game, and his at-bat would be 100% identical to every other at-bat you ever saw the guy take. There was no downtime. It was just no. all... You know, if I'm going to get a base hit to left field, well, that's another one in in the bank. You know, and 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 he had this sort of uh, uh, business-like approach to to getting the most that he could out of each game. And and for Gretzky, you know, they weren't all great games, obviously, but a hell of a lot of them were. This certainly was one. Right. This this was the game. Esposito was at that game, so. Uh, Burt Reynolds, they, Goldie they Hawn were at that game. There's pictures yeah. you can still find to this day of those four, I think, uh, enjoying the aftermath of the record breaker. For sure. And, and after he scored the 77th goal, they stopped and did a ceremony on the ice with Phil Esposito as well. Mm -hmm. So that's like made, 1851. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like 1851. He came right back and scored again after <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's an odd time in a game to stop. I mean, there was, what, seven minutes, under seven minutes yep. left in the hockey game? Yep. And to, to stop, have a ceremony, and then come back and play the final six and change or whatever there was. I mean, that's a... I, and it, I, they even stopped it at a later time the, uh, when he broke Howe's record in 89. 53 seconds left in the third period. Game yeah. tied 4-4. He just tied it up. And they had this 15-minute ceremony with with him, Gordy. Mark Messier is captain of the Oilers, all at center ice, who later became, you know, the top three scorers in NHL history, was the uh, unknown uh, part of that particular one. And then they came back and finished the game, and then Wayne scored, and that one unassisted in overtime to break it up for that. For the game. <laughs> Perhaps so he, just he was had using... the snack of, you know, he didn't lose his focus, even no. after huge ceremonies with him in the spotlight. He just went back to playing hockey, scoring goals, and winning games. Yeah, I was going to say, perhaps he used this uh, time to rest up and come back at full <laughs> full strength, ready to score more. Anyway, that was uh, that, that was the one, the one on TV, and the, only the last two periods were on. And by the third period, we're starting to think, well, maybe it won't even be tonight. And then bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And uh, that was a done deal. 
Well, I'm glad you got to catch it uh, live on TV and that it wasn't that he didn't end up uh, scoring that goal in the first period instead of passing it over to Curry. Um, I wanted to ask you, with the hat trick in Buffalo, Gretzky was obviously sitting at 79 goals in 80, uh, in 64 games, I should say. And as you as we talked about, he finished the season with 92 goals. But with 16 games left to play at the time, were you feeling confident that he would reach 100 goals that season? He was he was literally one off the pace. Like you need 80 and 64 to be bang on. You know, that's 20 goals every 16 games, 10 goals every eight games. Mm-hmm. He was one off the pace, and he was scoring in bunches at that time. But he went through. I'm just looking now. One, two, three, four, five, six game goalless drought uh, soon thereafter, and the uh, uh, the Oilers had they ran into a little. Uh, uh, a little losing streak. They kind of, you know, they they had a very hot season, and they wound up getting caught and passed by New York Islanders. And then he turned it back on again down the, down the stretch, but uh, he he never really threatened. He could have got to a hundred, I guess, if he'd done the same thing that he did in games thirty eight, thirty nine, scored you know four goals in each game. Yeah, his last two games, but uh, uh, that. They, at that point, they were more looking ahead to the playoffs than anything, and it just uh, didn't happen. So we had to settle for just the 92. And disappointingly, in a, in a sense, number 92 came on the road uh, in L.A. And their last two home games of the season, uh, um, Wayne didn't score a goal in either game. He scored points, assists in, in those games, but uh, no more goals. So number 92 was a game that was... Uh, uh, wasn't uh, attended or even, I don't think, televised. And I believe he hit goal number 90 and point number 200 in Calgary, right? Yes. Now, was that yeah. game televised for you or were you listening on the radio? Uh, that uh, The 200-point game, uh, as I recall, that was a uh, a radio game. And I heard Rod Phillips call that 200, 200 point. It was a okay. pass to Pat Hughes. And all Gretzky did later in that game was score two shorthanded goals in 27 seconds to establish an NHL <laughs> record for fastest two shorthanded goals. Uh, ironically, the first of his records to be broken by another NHLer, and that NHLer was, in fact, Pat Hughes hmm. of the Edmonton Oilers, who got two in 25 seconds uh, a year or two later. So that was a, one of the few times that Gretzky set a record that actually wasn't unbreakable. And I believe he also holds the NHL record for most shorthanded goals in a career with 73, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So, yeah, it's uh, he was a he was a threat to score even shorthanded. What? Oh yeah, well he scored uh, he scored 12 shorties in 83, 84, and 11 assists. He got 23 points shorthanded on the penalty kill on the penalty kill in 83, 84, and that was it. That was the his to me his pinnacle season. Was Glenn Sather always looking to use him on the first penalty kill unit, or would he come out later in the kill? Uh, it would depend on, you know, whose shift was just up. I mean, Sather used Wayne in all situations, and he used him a lot. I wish we really wish we had the ice time stats from those years. The only year they kept it in Wayne's career was his very last year in New York at age 38, and even at then he averaged 21 minutes a night, which was a lot for a, for a pivot. And if you had to guess in his absolute prime, like the the best five years of his career, what do you think he played probably a night? 
I'd say pushing 25. Okay. And I bet you there were some individual games where he was pushing 30. But, you know, those would be special games. I mean, the Oilers did have depth and they did have good players on other lines. But on nights that he really had it going on, say they would just keep putting him over the boards. And he had this tremendous endurance that he could play a long shift or he could go to the the bench gassed and take a few deep breaths and he'd have his breath back. Like he he basically broke the VO2 tests that they ran in training camp. There was there was commentary even in his early days that they they said, well, he's the weakest player on the team, but he did stuff in the, you know, the VO2 test that they called it at the time. I'm not sure if they still do, you know, the oxygen recovery test. And they said, it's just off the charts. I couldn't believe the results. Wow. And you could see it because he, you know, he could, you know, play a long shift and, and take an extremely short break and be back out there and hard at it again. And, and, uh, so I'm sure there's a few times when he played like 12 minutes in the third period of games and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's really just remarkable. And uh, Bruce, even though Gretzky fell a little short of 100 goals in 1981-82, he did score 100 combined goals in the regular season and playoffs in 1983-84. Just, uh, I'm sure if we took a couple hours, you could recall dozens of Gretzky's goals from that season. But when you you look back on the 83-84 season, are there a few of the hundred goals he scored that stand out above the rest? Well, 9,900 to name too, but uh, he scored, uh, that was, the year he got 92, they got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs and he scored only five goals in five games against the Kings uh, in that massive upset. So he only got to 97 that year. Hmm. Uh, Well, in 83, 84, he had 87. This was his second best goal scoring year. He scored 50 and 42. You know, he's a little bit behind the 50 and and 39 that he got in uh, uh, two years previous. Again, his 50th was a hat trick goal. Came into the empty net. That was kind of a a Gretzky trademark uh, of his career. Yeah, and he wound up with 87 on the season. And he would have had more except for he got hurt. That was the year he had the 51 game point streak. Uh, and he got hurt in game 49 in L.A. He got creamed by Dave Taylor, his future line mate, and racked up his shoulder. And somehow he came He came back in game 50. He got two and two in Vancouver. And we thought, no, he must be all right then. And then he came home for game 51, and you could see that... He was uh, he got a, he got uh, one goal in that game to extend his streak, and then game 52 against the uh, immortal Marcus Matson in the L.A. Kings net was the night that Gretzky's uh, historic point streak came to an end. And I I had been convinced that he was going to score an 80 game point streak that season. Wow! And he was uh, in the 51 game streak. He got 153 points, Eric. 51 or 61 goals, 92 assists, three points per exactly, game. Exactly, three points 51 per game. 51 yeah. games. Just absolutely staggering. So, yes, I mean, and, and there were uh, uh, <laughs> plenty of exciting moments there, but uh, uh, certainly the, the pinnacle came at the end in uh, uh, Edmonton's 99th game of the season, Gretzky's 93rd, which was game five of the 1984 Stanley Cup finals. And at the start of that game, Wayne, you know, 
he scored two in game four to finally break through against the Islanders, who who'd shut him out in the previous year's series and the first three games of this series before he scored a goal. And Dave Semenko sent him up for a very memorable breakaway goal in the first two minutes of game four. And you could tell that the leash was off and the Islanders were in big trouble. And he scored again late in that game. And then in game five, it was Gretzky who scored his 99th uh, to open the scoring in the uh, midway in the first period. And Gretzky again with his 100th to extend the lead to 2-0 late in the first. And so he literally scored his 99th and 100th goals in the game that Edmonton won their first Stanley Cup. So that's another record with a pretty good exclamation mark at the other end of it. Those would be two out of a hundred that would I I would assume would be at the top of any list. Um, any, are there any other ones during the, the that playoff run or in the regular season that really come to mind as you know that was a that was a big goal he scored? Well, there was one in Chicago, uh, and this was the night that his scoring streak was in the most jeopardy. Chicago had sick Troy Murray on him, and Troy Murray was a Selkie Trophy winning uh, forward, and. They Chicago put this great effort into into shutting uh, Wayne down, and he was having you know a, a kind of an off night for him. Uh, but this was the Edmonton Oilers, you know they had they were more than the one trick pony, and in this particular game they led four to three uh, late in the game because the Messier Anderson line had scored all the goals, while while the Gretzky line had for a change been uh, uh, held in check, and it looked like the streak was over and Chicago of course was pushing for the tying goal. They pushed the goal. They pulled the goalie. Uh, they came through the neutral zone. Somebody fired a, a, a pass that was two or three feet off the ice, you know, a hard aerial pass and Wayne knocked it right out of the air with his, with, uh, with his stick and somehow was able to control it. And, and, uh, uh, take in over the blue line and with, I believe Troy Murray all over him, uh, was able to slide the puck into the empty net with two seconds left to run his scoring streak to 44. That was pretty dramatic. And it turned, that was important because Marilyn Mew in a, in a later year had a 46-game point streak. So if, he, if Wayne had stopped at 43, he, that record wouldn't have lasted. But uh, he was able to stretch it a little further to 51 after that. And uh, that was uh, that was uh, just a sensational moment. That it looked like all was lost. There was no, and they, you know, he was out there with the net empty, but Chicago had the puck, and then the next thing you know, Wayne had it, and he was <laughs> fighting off a check and able to able to beat the clock and slide her home. So that was that was a particularly memorable goal on what wasn't a great night for '99, but it was a great story at the end of it. Oh, absolutely. And I believe Wayne also had two eight-point games that season, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a couple four-goal games. Uh, those were against uh, the New, New Jersey, Jersey Devils. That was, yeah, I was going to say, there was the New Jersey game was the fa- the infamous uh, Mickey Mouse uh, franchise mm-hmm. game, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, min- and in Minnesota, that was somewhere around his birthday, I, I believe, in in January of 84. Yeah, early January of 84. Yeah, four goals and four assists. And that. He had all that after the second period. And that was the night I thought he was going to take the Daryl Sittler record. Uh, and the odd thing that happened there was Curry got hurt late in the, late in the second. And Edmonton, they, after they, they just kind of nailed it in a little bit in the third and didn't, didn't, uh, 
didn't push. I think the final score was, if I'm not mistaken, 12 to 8 <laughs> for Edmonton. Yeah. Highest scoring NHL game I ever saw. Uh, and they were involved in the e- one even higher scoring game than that. That is the all-time record, uh, 21 goals, a 12 to 9 game in Chicago Stadium. But that that was the game where it was 10-6 after the second period, and Wayne had eight points, and then Curry got hurt, and it was it just seemed to break the magic spell on that uh, on that particular game. Right, and you know Wayne was surrounded by so much talent in Edmonton, and there's only so many goals to go around. Uh, I, I wonder though, is that one record that you're surprised he never got that he was never able to get 11 points in a game? Uh, kind of. I, I always thought there would be a there would be a ten pointer in there sooner or later, and there's uh, it 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 never did materialize. But I mean, he had so many you know eight point seven point, you know, and and you know huge games of five plus points. I mean, when when he when he took out the Esposito record we talked about earlier, he had five points in four straight games. That that. <laughs> that record like once he got close to the record he just turned it up a notch and and uh, uh and they just couldn't stop him and when he got to 15 39 he had 25 points in a five game homestand you know it was just a whole nother level of of uh production but n- none of them you know he got to seven points in one of those games but he never quite made it to 10 he never got six goals in a game he just mm-hmm. got five four times you know or <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he never got the double hat trick either, but I'm sure there were plenty of games where he had a shot at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, the the five the the four or five goal games, three of those were at home, and uh, they were, uh, uh, of course, the the one against Philly. The fifth goal came with three seconds to go, so there wasn't much chance to add to that. It's only you know it's only been done twice in my lifetime. The six goal game. Uh, Red Berenson did it, and of course Daryl Sittler in his famous ten-point game had six and four. Hmm. Um, and I, I mean, scoring a hundred goals in one year is a record for the ages. And uh, the following season, Gretzky set another record that will live on forever when he became the fastest player to ever score one thousand career points. He reached the milestone in just four hundred and twenty-four games on December nineteenth, nineteen eighty-four. The Oilers were returning to Northlands Coliseum to play the Los Angeles Kings, and number 99 had exactly 999 career NHL points. And Bruce, it sure didn't take Gretzky long to hit the 1,000-point plateau that night, did it? Uh, no, it did not, and it didn't take him very long to start work on the 2,000-point uh, plateau. This was <laughs> a fun fun part of this game, and this was against the, uh, the Kings. Uh, and he just come home from a road trip. He scored five goals in St. Louis a couple games before, uh, but he came home for this uh, game against the Kings. As you say, nine ninety nine. He had a one point game prior, and I was sort of going, "Well, that's good. We got to see a number of thousand. Talk about being totally confident coming to a game where he needs one point, and they're playing the Kings at home. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty confident that that's probably going to happen. And just looking at the box score now, a minute and 41 of the first period, Mike Krushelniski from Gretzky and Curry. And it was a fairly innocuous play, as I recall. And, and uh, uh, Krushelniski uh, was able to bang it home. And so it was uh, uh, anticlimactic in the sense that number 1,000 
was uh, uh, you know done done and dusted so early. Well, a thousand and one and a thousand and two came later in the first period. A thousand and three came in the second period. A thousand and four and a thousand and five came in the third period. Gretzky closing out the scoring with two minutes to play in this game. Like he sort of just kept scoring all game long. So not only did he score his thousandth point, but he made a five point down payment on the second thousand. <laughs> and the thing is that the fastest to 1,000 points in NHL history remains by a wide margin, Wayne Gretzky, 424 games. Uh, the previous record coming into that game, Guy Lafleur, 720 games. Gretzky beat that record by almost 300 games. <laughs> uh, to get to, you know, a huge milestone of 1,000 points. Well, the second fastest to 1,000 points in NHL history unofficially is Wayne Gretzky going from 1,000 to 2,000 because he it only took him another 433 games to get to 2,000 from, from one. So it was almost the same pace of uh, scoring uh, to get to 2,000. Of course, by then he was a king, uh, but he already started with five, you know, he, he just kept going and thought to thousand. That's that's not the the end target here. That's just a milestone along the way. Let's keep keep on coming and keep on pumping those pucks. And then from two thousand to the end of his career, he would have played another six hundred and thirty games after that, and only only got eight hundred and fifty seven points. So you know he's <laughs> fairly slowing down, only averaging about one point four points per game down the, you know, the, the stretch run, run of his career. So it's a hugely productive player, but his, you know, his true pinnacle was earlier and at a very young age, to be honest. And and we got all of that really here in Edmonton. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you just put into perspective how great he really was, that he's not only the fastest player to ever reach a thousand points, but unofficially the second fastest player, because you even look at Mario Lemieux. I think he got there in 514 games Mm -hmm. or somewhere around there. So even still, we're talking about prime Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky was still uh, able at the second time to do it almost a hundred games faster than Lemieux did it. Yeah. So uh, it's it's records like that when you when you hear it that make you think like how can anyone debate that this guy isn't the greatest hockey player who ever lived? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there is still an argument, but I uh, and there there are there there's a variety of arguments. One of which is well, he played last century. The guys nowadays would make mincemeat out of him, and he might make the AHL, and he might not. And I think those kind of arguments are pure garbage. I think Wayne Gretzky would have been a hockey genius in any era uh, at whatever level of technology uh, the mm-hmm. game offered at that time. You know, he 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 thought and uh, uh, he had specific physical skills, but also mental and uh, uh, just his his the depth of his understanding of the game was was truly extraordinary that. You could put him in the NHL now and give him a running start with the modern equipment. You know, I mean, if you put him out there in his old Yofa helmet <laughs> and, you know, non-shoulder pads, well, maybe not. But if you gave him, a, you know, the same training that other people have, he would be a scoring champion. I'm 100% yeah. convinced of it. I mean, I think you could go back in history, take whoever you want, whether it be Gretzky, uh, Hal, uh, or 
Maurice the Rocket Richard, if you were to take any of those players and drop them in 2022, give them modern equipment, modern uh, uh, training, nutrition, all these things, I believe that they would still be at the top of their game and at the top of the league. If you were great in one era, I believe you could have been great in any era. Yeah, that's my view as well. So I, I tend to compare players against players in their own era. And people say, well, yeah, but the goalies weren't any good in the 1980s. And relatively speaking, I guess that's true. They were the best goalies in the in the world. The yep. NHL was then and remains the best league in the world, best players at any position. Uh, the goalies have made big advances since then in uh, uh, in equipment, in uh, in training, in coaching, uh, in techniques. You know, the butterfly. You know that. Uh, I, I don't think 200 points would probably be in anybody's grasp right now but you know what in the 1970s every year the scoring champ would come in around 130 points plus or minus a handful of points you know mm-hmm. 136 125 you know that's Guy Lafleur had seasons like that he won the scoring title well when Gretzky won the scoring title with those 200 point years you look at the runners up from all those years and guess what they were all around 130 points right like from 81 to 87, which was the true pinnacle of Gretzky's career, he scored 1,219 points, 203 points per season for six years. And there was five or was it six different runners-up over those years. And I think, yeah, Curry, I think Curry might have got there twice. Uh, And they averaged 130 points a season just sort of the standard what used to be the scoring champion still would have been the scoring champion except for guess what there's wayne gretzky ahead of you by 70 points yeah like he won every year uh those six years um, it's emblazoned in my mind 65 72 79 73 74 75 points between wayne gretzky and number two in the nh freaking l <laughs> Well, I remember you saying the last time I had you on the podcast, uh, he was routinely finishing uh, like first in goals by a 20 goal margin and still winning the scoring title on his assists alone. Mm-hmm. It happened so. four times that he's had enough assists to, to win the scoring title. And I think in three of those years, he led the league in goals. Yeah, just <laughs> incre- incredible production. So, you know what? There might be some people today who will still question how great he he would have been if he played in the modern era but i believe that when you look at what he was able to accomplish playing with uh, a hockey stick that weighed about as much as a canoe paddle and in the era that he was in i i still think that it, it didn't matter when he played he would have still been the best he would have found a way and yeah you know he was uh you know i mean to me it's like saying well mozart couldn't play music because he didn't have an electric guitar yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> you're right he didn't no but uh, uh, his music was still pretty darn good you know yeah that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it too all right so gretzky finished the 1984-85 season with 208 points in 80 games giving him his third career 200 point season and as dominant as he was during the regular season, Gretzky was perhaps even better in the 1985 playoffs, tallying an unbelievable 47 points in just 18 games. Bruce, 
after watching Gretzky put up 38 and 35 points respectively in his two previous playoff years, did you think he could elevate his play even higher in the postseason in 1985? Uh, I did in the sense that he, you know, his average points per game in the regular season was, you know, 2.5, 2.6. I mean, 80 games at two and a half points a game, that gets you to 200. Well, he broke past 200. And whereas in the playoffs, like in uh, 84, he had 35 in 19 games, which is great, but uh, it's not even two points a game. And I thought, you know, there's probably another level there. He should be able to get to 40. Uh, and assuming the Oilers get to the finals, which was a pretty, pretty fair uh, bet. And he, he had, uh, uh, he had a little bit of a slow start in the in the playoffs that year, um, uh, but it really started to pick up the pace, and especially a seven-point game in the elimination game at Winnipeg that really picked it up. Three three goals, four assists, seven points, plus five, seven shots on net. This was sort of your standard, uh, you know, great Wayne Gretzky, great game, but you, you look through his scoring logs and you'll find games like that in, in most seasons. And then came the Chicago series, uh, where they set records, which still stand. Um, Oilers scored 44 goals in a six-game series against Chicago. Wow. They lost. They lost a couple games in the middle. Uh, one of them eight to six. And what that means, of course, you can only win four games. You lose a couple high-scoring games. Yeah, they lost both games on the road, right? Points. Yeah, games three yeah. and four in Chicago. And they came back hard in game four and came close, and then that sort of set the stage. So. In the Chicago series, Wayne had four, three, zero in the poor game three, then three, then four, then four points again in, in game six. So he had five games at three plus points in a six game series. And his line mate, Yari Curry, had three hat tricks in that series. Which one is of still an NHL record. Game. And uh, he had, in the Oilers' four wins in that series, he had 12 goals. And uh, they were, the Hawks just had no answer for those guys. I believe that's also a record for most goals in a series. Yes. yes. And then, then uh, come the Stanley Cup Finals, they lost. They played Philly, and they played the first two games in Philly, and they lost the first game. Uh, Wayne got shut out. Uh, Philly had a real good team. Uh, Pelly Lindbergh uh, was a really good goalie, too. Uh, in game two, they there was a crucial game. They won 3-1. to one. Wayne scored to open the scoring in that one. They came back for uh, games three, four, and five, and it was a replay of the previous year. Come home, tied one to one, three games in a row at home, and they just won them all. And Gretzky had a hat trick, first period hat trick in game three, that really sort of set the set the stage. That was the game when he hit forty points in the playoffs, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would have been when the, the hat trick uh, goal would have took him to forty. And weren't two of the goals only seconds apart? Yeah. Yes, uh, first, basically, second minute of the game, bang, bang, 15 seconds, I think it was. And the third goal even was still in the in the first period. And uh, then he set up what proved to be the game winner in the in the second. And so that, that put the orders up in the series. And in game five, it was three to three, and he scored twice uh, to put that one away, five to three for Edmonton, the, the go-ahead and clinching goals. And then in the finale, that was uh, all Oilers. They they just steamrolled Philly eight to three, 
So, I mean, that that was how they did business. And in their three best of seven series that year, they won the clinching games, eight to three at Winnipeg, eight to two at Chicago, and eight to three over Philly. But, you know, teams that gave everything they had to slow others down early in the series. And by the time they got a few games deep, they just couldn't handle them anymore. And this was no different. Wayne had a goal, three assists, four points. His last point was the goal that uh, was his seventh goal of the uh, Stanley Cup finals. That's also and a record. that tied a uh, uh, longstanding uh, record set by Jean Beliveau, seven goals in a, in a, uh, 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 in the Stanley Cup final series, did Mike Bossy not also do that? Uh, yeah, that were, it was tied by it was tied by Mike Bossy. Uh, yeah. just maybe three years before this, and and Gretz never did get the eighth one. So this was one of those rare records where he's only tied with other <laughs> players, as opposed to being, you know, thirty percent ahead of him. <laughs> uh, now, now, because the Oilers only lost three games in that entire playoff run. Have you ever thought about how high Gretzky's totals might have been that spring if a couple of those series went a little longer? Yeah, well, he, I mean, even one more game, he might have well have got to 50, right? Yeah. But uh, this was the team that was later voted by, uh, uh, as the greatest NHL team of the first century of the league, the 1985 Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, 2017. And they, they did not even win the regular season championship, but they were, they, they kind of, they, they kind of coasted down the stretch, and Philly caught them. Uh, Philly got super hot in the last few games and actually caught first place. But once the playoffs started, the Oilers were all business. They won the first nine games of the playoffs. And they just had such a a, a dominant uh, team-wide performance. Uh, I mean, they're scoring from the playoffs. Here you, here you go. Wayne Gretzky, uh, 17 goals, 47 points. Paul Coffey, 12 goals, 25 assists, 37 points. All three of those are still the records for defensemen in the mm-hmm. playoff season. Uh, Yari Curry, 19 goals, 12 assists, 31 points. He tied Reggie Leach's record for most goals in a playoff season. He's still yep. on the book for that. Brian Anderson, 10 goals, 16 assists, 26 points. Mark Messier, 12 goals, 13 assists, 25 points. Charlie Huddy, 3 goals, 17 assists, 20 points. This is in 18 games. All of these guys are <laughs> over a point a game. Wayne Gretzky was plus 27 in 18 playoff games. I mean, they, they just had this degree of playoff dominance that I think won over the voters. Like, if you look at other great teams like the 87 Oilers team, well, they they were a great team that won a great playoff series against Philly to win the win their third cup, uh, but that year in the playoffs, uh, Gretzky had a concussion partway through and he only wound up with 34 points. So even though it was peak Oilers, it wasn't really quite the peak Gretzky. So 85 team was was uh, chosen I th- I think specifically for their their playoff dominance and uh, Gretzky of course at the pinnacle and he beat. Paul Coffey in a close vote for the uh, Conn Smythe. Right. And I, I believe I, I can remember, uh, I think Bob Stoffer had Mark Messier and Wayne Gretzky on his show about five years ago, and he was asking mm-hmm. them about the 85 team. And I believe they both said that the 87 team was the most talented team they ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe they would, have, they would have said that. That was probably at the time this team was named that he would have had. Yeah, them. that's why it, they, it was timely. Right. They had them on for that. Right. And I mean, 
It's interesting to hear that the fans thought the 85 team was better, but the players themselves thought the 87 team was the superior team. Yeah, and again, I think it was the just the, the domination of the playoff records. They already they, uh, they scored, I believe it was 98 goals in that year I'm surprised, in playoffs. I'm surprised they didn't get to 99. They averaged over five goals a game in the playoffs. And that, too, is a record, I believe, that still stands for most goals by a team in a, in a playoff year. And that that's, I think, mm-hmm. what what uh, tipped the scales in that vote. I mean, I the 84, 85, 87, 88 teams, they were all fantastic. I mean, pick any one of them, and, and you can't go wrong. But uh, <clears throat> this 85 team, I think, because of those, you know, records, Gretzky's record for points, Coffee's three records, Curry's record for goals. You know, <laughs> that's a great team. And uh, that year, Gretzky also won his first of two Conn Smythe trophies. I guess you mm-hmm. could say it, it might be the most deserving Conn Smythe trophy in NHL history. I mean, getting 47 points in the playoffs. Um, were you a little surprised he didn't get it the previous year in 84? I mean, full marks to, Mar- uh, to Mark Messier for getting it. But, um, I mean, you would have a, a better perspective on that than most, having watched that entire series. Yeah, uh, Messier won it with, uh, with a great performance in the Stanley Cup Finals. You think that's uh, what tipped the scales in yes, his favor? Yes, I do. I mean, at that time, I mean, uh, the Sport Magazine actually had an a, a award for MVP of the final series in multiple sports. And sports writers looked at it a little bit that way. And Messier in those finals, he scored three absolutely phenomenal goals, end-to-end kind of rushes, including a very memorable goal in game the tied game three, uh, where he uh, came in on uh, uh, Denny Potvin and Gord Deneen one on two, made the right choice and picked Deneen's side. <laughs> I can picture the goal. That's <laughs> probably his most his famous states, goal. Came out the other side and wired about a 25-foot wrister past Billy Smith to tie the score, and yep. that was a it was a, a it was a moment for sure that that it looked like you know here finally the orders are are really asserting themselves. And then in Game Four of that series, he scored two brilliant goals again, basically end to end, start with the puck in his end, take it to length of the ice, put it in, and uh, uh, it, it was uh, the. the, the those goals were standout plays within that final series that uh, got Messi the nod. And you know what? More power to him. He did have a great oh, playoff. Oh, for sure. And of course, in, Gretzky. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. You know, he had a, he had a great playoffs in uh, 80, 83, 84. I think 8 and 18, am I remembering right? 8 and 18, 26 points in 19 games. I mean, it's pretty good for a guy yeah. who didn't play on Gretzky's line for the most part. You know, he was driving his own line. So. Mm-hmm. And of course, Gretzky won his second Conn Smythe trophy in 1988. Uh, in, in 87, it was Ron Hextall who took it home in a losing effort. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, two, two for Gretzky during his time for the Oilers. Of course, the 85 one being the most impressive. All right, let's jump ahead now to November 22nd, 1986, where Wayne Gretzky entered the game against the Vancouver Canucks with 497 career goals. And by scoring a hat-trick that night, he became the fastest player in NHL history to score 500 goals, reaching the milestone in only 575 games. Bruce, you kind of uh, talked about this earlier, but whenever Wayne would get within, say, 
three goals or points of setting a record. Did you almost just expect that he was going to get it done in one night? Starting to by then. I mean, uh, by this point, I mean, we'd seen him get 50 and 39 with a five-goal effort, including an empty netter. We'd seen him get 50 and 42 with a hat-trick, including an empty netter. And when he came into this home game uh, against uh, against Vancouver, uh, three away, uh, we knew it was, you know, it was possible. Like, the, the, five, the five goals against Philly was a pipe dream uh, that uh, uh, only... Uh, <laughs> Although you said you did call it though in the parking I lot, I, yeah, you... I, I was just going there. Yeah, <laughs> I did before the game. I, I, that game, I thought, well, you know, it's not impossible he could do it tonight. He only needs five, and it was just sort of a, you know one of those wishful thinking that came true. And uh, whereas going in against Vancouver, three away, we're thinking, you know, this this could well happen. And uh, sure enough, it was a. Uh, uh, Five to two, Edmonton beat uh, beat Vancouver, and uh, Gretzky scored the first two goals of that game, set up the next two, and uh, then sealed the deal with uh, with an empty net goal on uh, the you know last twenty seconds of play, uh, and it was one of those he could just he could feel it was uh, it was coming, and he kind of waited until he pulled the goal. <laughs> Vancouver scored to make again. I'm I'm just looking at the summary hockey references. Marvelous for this the game logs. Oh, you yeah, can stick right through. Thing. So this is this is what fills out the the memories. I have these memory hooks. I remember things that happened in the game. The, but all the, the details are available. Yeah. On the summary, uh, and and Edmonton led four one, and and a guy named Steve Tambellini scored for Vancouver to make it four to two with a few minutes left in the third. Future Oilers kind of set the stage. So, okay, now they're within two. They might have to pull their goalie later. We'll see what happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Enough. Sure enough, Wayne sinks number five hundred into an empty net again. He scored over fifty empty net goals in his career. Oh, incredible! He just was yeah. When the other team pulled the goalie, boy. Uh, he, he was hunting for that empty net. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? The Oilers won, or this team won all 50 of those games. So, you know, you score an empty net goal, you win. And it's, uh, he, so that was one way where he padded the numbers, certainly a little bit. And he took his opportunities to do that. That's the only way you can get to such incredible numbers is you, you got to take your chances when they're there. And this was such a chance. And, uh, uh, he sank this one as if I recall rightly, this one was coming from the left wing, sort of in between center and the blue line, just to uh, set him up for a clean shot, and uh, he made it count. And, and as you mentioned, not only did he score a hat trick and his 500th goal that night, but he casually added two assists too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was this was very normal. That even in games where Gretzky had a hat trick, it wouldn't be like three and zero, oh, three. That'd be three and two, five, three and three, six, three and four, seven. You know, that happened frequently. Yeah. There was one year where he scored 10 hat-tricks and he had at least five points in all 10 of the hat-tricks. <laughs> and didn't he score 10 hat-tricks two different times? Twice, yeah. Yeah. Was that 81, 82, and No, those was two big, big years, the 92 and the 87. Oh, and 87. Yeah. Sorry, no, oh, no yeah, the sorry, 92 goal season and the 87 goal right. season. So 81, 82, and then 83, 84. Okay. And I mean, 
Wayne was still only 25 when he reached the 500 goal mark. So I'm guessing most Oilers fans believed he would eventually break Gordie Howe's all-time goals record, which he did in 1994. But back in 1986, did you think that he would go on to score 1,000 goals in his career? Well, I did, and he did, but not in the regular season context where we count most of these records. So this is another one of those... Like the hundred goal season, like these are two of his most underrated reasons, his records. He scored a hundred goals in one one NHL campaign. Mm-hmm. He scored over 1, a thousand goals in his uh uh in his uh, NHL career. One thousand and sixteen goals. Yeah. And then another fifty six in the WHA to get to that ten seventy two. I one ahead of Hal. Yeah, and one ahead of Hal, because of course Hal played six years in the WHA and he scored 170 some goals plus more in the playoffs so you know he really padded his already fat totals mm-hmm. uh with uh uh you know a solid six years in in the wha so but yeah wayne was a wayne was a thousand goal scorer in the nhl and uh, that uh uh but regular season uh, only 894 and his his scoring goal scoring uh, it really peaked in Edmonton. He played uh, nine NHL seasons here in Edmonton, and he led the league in goals five different times, led the league in assists all nine times, led the league in points eight of the nine years. Of course, once he was tied with Marcel Dion and controversially did not win the Art Ross Trophy, but he did tie for the right. league. And after he left Edmonton, never again did he lead the league in goals. He kept you know, he kept padding that, you know, he had seven more assist titles and three more scoring titles. But uh, he had, uh, you know, his years of, you know, dominating in all aspects of the offensive game were specific to Edmonton. Definitely. And I mean, there's been plenty of talk in recent years about Alex Ovechkin uh, eventually surpassing Wayne in terms of regular season goals. But I think the two records that are safe would be the 1,016 total goals in an NHL career and 1,072 goals in a professional career. Yeah, well, Ovi, of course, will have done it all in uh, in the one league, so he wouldn't have any of those crossover major league points that are, are part of that record. Bobby mm-hmm. Hull uh, was the third guy who had 1,000-plus goals as a pro counting playoffs. He had, I think, 1,018 with again, you know, seven full years in the WHA, and right? Six hundred NHL goals before he ever made the move across uh, across leagues. So uh, yeah, Ovi is uh, he's currently at seven sixty two. He got one last night, but his playoff total is just let me get to it seventy one. And Gretzky, I think, has 122 playoff goals. 22, and then, of course, 10 more in his one WHA playoff. Yeah. So that's it. I don't think Ovi will get to 122 in the playoffs. I don't think so either. Um, Only had two years. Ovi's only had two playoff years with more than five goals. He's also only ever been past the the second round of the playoffs once in his entire career. Mm -hmm. The year they won the Cup in 2018. Uh, But, you know... uh, I know there's a lot of people who are cheering for Ovechkin to get that record. I'm I'm by no means an Ovechkin hater, but uh, you know Gretzky is my hero, so I I am still holding on to hope that he will retain that record. Me too. 
uh, not rooting <laughs> against Ovi, and oh. I, it'll probably get exciting. I mean, one thing Ovi has got the got the Gordy Howe vibe going in that he doesn't seem yeah. to be slowing down at all as he you know gets deep into his thirties. And, you know, here he is already with 32 goals, you know, with 30 to play. You know, it's snip and tuck. Will he get to 50 or won't he? But there's every chance he'll get to 50 yet again this year. Mm-hmm. And he's something he's done uh, uh, numerous times in his career. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Plus a 49 and a 48 and a 46. You know, I mean, it's the machine. Well, as you talked about, by the time the 1990s rolled around, Wayne Gretzky was absolutely a, a pass first player as opposed to the equal parts goal scoring and assist uh, making machine of in the 1980s but Ovechkin has pretty much been primarily focused on scoring goals his entire career yeah yeah he's he's got more goals and than assists uh pretty much every year and uh uh I th- there may have been a couple of years where he was just a little bit, few more assists than goals. But I mean, on his career, 762 goals, 621 assists. You know, I mean, he's a goal scorer first and second and a great offensive player. And I mean, he makes great passes and he also creates rebounds that create goals. And I mean, he's, he's, you know, but he's primarily a goal scorer. He's not going to come close to any points records. All right, well, uh, a little over four months after Gretzky scored his 500th goal, the Oilers faced the Los Angeles Kings in the 1987 Smythe Division semifinal, and with an assist in a Game 1 loss, Gretzky tied Jean Beliveau as the NHL's all-time leader in playoff points with 176. But Bruce, by the time the final buzzer went in Game 2, Gretzky uh, owned the record and then some. Yeah, that's for sure. They, they did lose game one. Of course, this was the year after they suffered the shocking demise on the infamous Steve Smith bank shot off of Grant Fearon in the net that decided the Smythe Division final uh, unfavorably against Calgary Flames in 86. So there was questions over that team uh, a little bit. And there's a little bit of scandal that had been, been uh, around. And 87 was playoffs. They won the they won the President's Trophy in the regular season, but the playoffs was sort of show me time. And they came out in the first game and they let it, laid an absolute egg against the Kings, lost five to two. And I remember Tiger Williams got the winning goal. That was not a lot of fun. Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> and it's sort of geez, what's going on? Like why can't and and the next game, game two was the very next night, and the two teams went back at it and. Just from the very beginning, you could see Edmonton just had had it going on that night. And it was a wake up call, basically the game yeah, before. Yeah, they responded to uh, they responded to the wake up call in spades, and they just started early and often, and just absolutely pounded uh, the Kings to the tune of thirteen to three, and game number two. Uh, they started early. This was kind of like the thousand point game. Like they, if Gretzky set up Curry uh, for the game's first goal at, uh, under three minutes into the first period, and that was the one that actually put him past John Beliveau and alone in first place as all time NHL leading scorer. Now, bear in mind at this point, he's played seven years of uh, playoff hockey, and John Beliveau played what, 19 or something. <laughs> 
course, a lot of years that John Belleville played, there was only two series. So there's that. And Montreal went to the finals in a lot of those years. But uh, uh, Gretzky set up another goal by Curry a few minutes later. Uh, I got a third primary assist on a goal by Estetikinen a few minutes after that. The end of the first period, it was six to one for the Oilers. Uh, Gretzky added uh, another point in the second period, and the Oilers extended their lead to nine to three. And then in the third, he added another goal and two more assists uh, as the Oilers ran away and hid with this game to the tune of thirteen to three. Still, the NHL record for most goals ever scored in a, in a Stanley Cup playoff game in the in the conventional. NHL, you know, if you go back to the games involving Dawson City, you might find you know, <laughs> Joe, go one-eyed, back Joe One-Eyed Malone scored 14 <laughs> goals in a game and stuff, yeah. you know, but this was in the, in the in modern, the modern you know, yeah. 13 goals uh, by one team is and remains uh, an NHL record, uh, and they, they kind of got the shackles off uh, with that game, too, and they just they thought no messing around we are just going to take it to these guys and we're going to take it to them all night uh, and they did all of that and uh and poured it on so gretzky wound up this game with one goal six assists seven points and so by night's end uh he's gone from being tied with john bellavo the great john bellavo best playoff scorer in all time uh, in history to all of a sudden there's john bellavo disappearing into the rear view already seven points behind yeah and you knew it wasn't going to stop it <laughs> just ran out of time that night but uh by the end of uh uh end of that playoff year wayne was well over 200 uh playoff points and he uh you know that was uh just again just your standard gretzky doesn't just eke out past the old record he just destroys it leaves it in the dirt and and just on to the next so yeah. and and like you said well Gretzky did have the benefit of playing longer playoff runs than Belovo mm-hmm. did but I think what makes Gretzky's playoff points record even more impressive is that he broke the record in roughly half the number of games that it took Belovo to set right. the mark because I think it was game 82 huh. that that Gretzky nice broke number. it. And, and, yeah, and Beliveau played 162 playoff games. So, like I said, almost almost double the amount. So it's, I mean, it just, by every standard, one thing that's been consistent with all the records we've talked about tonight is that he just blew away these records time after time. It, 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 I mean, even when you mentioned about uh, getting the 1,000 points in, in 84, I mean, okay, he got uh, he got the thousandth point out of the way under two minutes into the game, but by the end of the night, he was at like you said, I think one hundred five or one hundred six. Mm-hmm. Yes, Just, yeah. yeah, that was uh, uh, that was the uh, um, that was his mo. Was <laughs> no his record. MO. He no. wasn't just going to pass it; he was going to demolish the record. No. Yeah, and he would shoot on those nights, and you could see it. Like, one thing you could see from the stands was his face would get flushed when he got excited. Mm -hmm. And we soon soon learned that the flushed face was a very, very good sign for Edmonton. That uh, if, uh, you know, Wayne's, if his ears were burning or whatever it was that started it, you know, by uh, 
uh, by the time he really got going in the game, he would kind of he, he he would he would uh, his face would turn red, and he would just take it to another level that was just off the charts that nobody could could uh, uh, well no, no opponent could deal with. I remember hearing that Glenn Sather would often double shift him early in a game just to sort of get him going and, and get that face flush, as you said. Yeah, I had a little conversation today with a wonderful Twitter feed, Hockey Samurai, which account I recommend to anyone. And he had a, a tidbit about uh, 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 Gretzky getting getting benched uh, in the WHA. In uh, this was in December of 1978, when uh, when Wayne was first with the Oilers, and this was a radio game they were playing at Cincinnati. I was listening to it on the radio. And at this point, the Oilers, they lost five in a row. They really hit a funk. Their standard December funk. They still have it every year. <laughs> and they uh, and they were in uh, Cincinnati and going nowhere. And, and Sather took the uh, initiative to bench Gretzky for the entire second period of that game. And Rod Phillips was describing, he said, Gretzky's, he said, like, all I can see from here is the back of his neck, but it's bright red. He looks like he's like totally embarrassed. I don't know if this is a good idea, what they're doing to this kid or not. But, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> so come the third period, Wayne's not benched anymore. He's back out on the ice. And guess what? He scores a hat trick in the third period. And Edmonton rolls to a 5-2 win over, over Cincinnati, losing streak over questions and you know asked and answered say they challenged him and wayne picked up the gauntlet and the flushed face was just sort of the early sign that yeah he, he got the message and he was going to bring it and that so that was they never had to bench him again to bring on that flushed face but it did remain sort of one of his trademark features and and more visible from stands this was one little detail you could see better in person than really showed up on tv yeah, I mean, just a kid then, but I, I would venture to guess that was probably the only time in his NHL career he was ever benched. Yes, yeah, and in, <laughs> in WHA or NHL career, it never happened in the NHL before. No. But this was just say they're getting his attention, and it worked. It took one try. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's skip ahead now to the following season where the Oilers hosted the New York Rangers at Northlands Coliseum on November 4th, 1987. And coming into this game, Wayne Gretzky and Marcel Dion each had 998 career assists and were looking to join Gordie Howe as the only players to ever reach 1,000 assists in an NHL career. Uh, Bruce, it, that had to be awesome watching these two legends chase down the milestone at the same time. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say we came came to that game uh, with both guys dead tied at 998, and there was a very realistic possibility that they were both going to do it in the same game. And I actually hope that that's we would get to see that the second and third guy. I wanted Wayne to do it first, and then for Dion to to get to the milestone in garbage time with the game safely won. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't quite happen like that, but it almost happened like that. Gretzky scored uh, scored uh, uh, his uh, his two assists in... Uh, uh, the first one was a, a play that you can still see on the highlight reels of Wayne and, and Yari 
uh, Wayne DeYari to Wayne DeYari to tap in because they made they had the puck and give and go and give and go. There's a gif and, of it uh, that I've used before. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that was assist number 999, in case you're ever wondering. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I'm just trying. This was 80. What was the date of this again? November 4th, 1987. Right. Of course, it was his last year here that he got his thousands. And then he got the NHL record 1050 uh, later in that year. And this was, uh, sorry, November 4th. Yeah. New York Rangers. And so he, he set up the uh, he set up the Curry goal uh, early in the first period. Then he took a little time out from setting up goals. He scored uh, a 905 of the first. He scored 1520 of the first. <laughs> he scored 131 of the second. Now he's got a hat trick, and it's five nothing for Edmonton. So now we really are in garbage time. And we got into the third period before. Uh, uh, Gretzky uh, set up Estetikin, and then he had his thousandth point or thousandth assist right. to be the second fastest uh, to ever get to uh, to that milestone. And then in garbage time, Marcel Dion did pick up an assist, but it was only his 999th, and the game ended uh, seven to two. Laffer for the Oilers with Wayne at a thousand, and Dion, who played what 500 more games than him at that point. At 9.99, so we didn't quite get to see both guys do it, but we certainly got the excitement of thinking, well, either guy could get there first in this game. You know, yeah. it's not like, you know, it's inevitable. You have you have a, a stationary number that some other guy is catching up to, and eventually is going to catch and pass, or he doesn't catch up, but the, the one number doesn't move. This was two guys that were both adding to their totals, and it worked out pretty good for Dion. You know, I looked it up. And he got his thousandth assist in this very next game. And you know where that game was? It was at Los Angeles. Oh, against his Marcel team. Dion had been a superstar for many, many years. And no doubt he got a huge uh, ovation for, you know, that milestone. I think this was the very last year of his career by this point that he got to, uh, uh, that he got to a thousand assists. And uh, no, we have one more year after this, but he, you know, he, he ended with a thousand and forty. He didn't quite catch Gordy Howe's ten forty nine, right? And he had, uh, uh, but he got number one thousand, which was a huge milestone, of course, for him as well. And he got it in the uh, fabulous form, so it worked out pretty good for him. But uh, for sure, uh, like so many others, he uh, wound up second best to Wayne Gretzky on the. Uh, uh, on the night that uh, that the you know the big chance came, and, and Bruce, it seems like we just talked about this a, a few minutes ago, but you, you kind of what you said was the opposite of the the game he got his 500th goal, where he you know he'd, he'd score a hat trick, but casually add two assists. Uh -huh. uh, it, it was the uh, on this night he sets the assist record, but scores a hat trick as well. Casually adds a hat trick. Yeah. Casually oh. adds a hat trick. Wait. We've described so far here uh, three different milestones, not records, but milestones. The 500th mm -hmm. goal, uh, the 1,000th point, and the 1,000th assist. Three different games where he set these fabulous milestones. And usually you see a guy get his 500th goal, you know, and he's got like one goal in the game, and it might have bounced in off of him, or, you know, or it just, right. it, it, it was inevitable and it finally happened. Well, in these three games where he set these three milestones, 
just three three games standalone, Wayne Gretzky had eight goals and eight assists for sixteen points. That's unbelievable. <laughs> he did not merely set records; he demolished them. It was mm-hmm. incredible, and it happened over and over and over again, like that Belleville record. Same thing, you know. He he didn't beat it; he demolished it. The Esposito record, same thing. Fifteen thirty-nine, same thing. It was just stunning that that once once he got within reach of the record, the cheeks would flush up and look out, bad guys, you're in serious <laughs> trouble now. And, and uh, yeah, and, and of course, uh, later that season on March first, nineteen eighty-eight, he ended up breaking Gordy Howe's all-time assist mark getting to, like you said, 1,050 assists. Was that game even more fun to watch than seeing Dion and Gretzky both kind of chase 1,000 assists in the same night? Well, it was in the sense that it was uh, uh, it was such a huge record. I mean, this is, a, this is an NHL career record. Yeah. And, you know, setting career records, you know, when the guy is still, uh, you know, 20 seven years of age you don't expect to be running at gordy 52 year old gordy house you know lifetime totals kind of thing but uh uh so that was um uh, um that was a uh, 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 uh a huge milestone on this game he, he only had a goal and assist and a 5-3 Oilers win so this was more sort of your uh, your standard you know two-point game Right, two or three points was you know was, he was he ran two point five points a game for most of his time here, uh, but he set that record uh, uh, again first primary against the Kings, right? Curry, Curry against the Kings, five to three win over the Kings, a team he would join a few months later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those guys. <laughs> yeah, but you know that was. Uh, so that was, um, I mean, it was one that was inevitable. That uh, it was one of those things, you know, it's just, there's no, you know, he wound up scoring another 913 assists after that. So he was just, you know, he set assist records. The only person close was uh, Magic Johnson in, in basketball that set these incredible assist totals, even when he had to, you know, depart from the game. Early, he already owned the uh, assist record in basketball, which is you know different different kind of scoring play that they do in basketball. But uh, Magic just ran up these huge totals every year. He would lead the league, and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then he got the AIDS scare, and he had to, you know he had to leave the game. He came back later and added to to his record. But uh, uh, even Magic, you know Wayne Gretzky, twenty years in the NHL, sixteen times leading the leading the league in assists, and retired as the all-time, I mean, we talked about him doing this in, in several different seasons, scoring enough assists to win the scoring title without any goals. But, oh, yeah, he led the league in goals. But when he retired, he has more assists than anyone else in the history of the league has points. And, oh, yeah, he's got the most goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, Yager did get close in terms of career points catching uh, Wayne's assist total, but ultimately fell, I think, about... Oh, was it 40, 30 or 40 points short of it? I think in 1921 for, yeah, yes, 1921 for, yeah. And 1966. 1155, 
1921 points in a mere 1,733 games. <laughs> so he was another uh, freak that just could kept going and going and going. And uh, much like Gordy Howe is still playing like professional. Howe and Messier yeah. and just keep kept kept pumping in the the points. Uh, you know, quality point totals for a long time. And he just turned 50 years old recently too, and is still playing in, in the Czech still Pro playing. League. Playing. Still playing, fifty years old. So maybe yep. he's going after, after, uh, after uh, Howe's uh, longevity record. Might be a, a cheap deadline pickup for the Oilers if they could uh, sign him to a league minimum deal. <laughs> um, well, Bruce, uh, we're going to finish up tonight by talking about the final record that Wayne Gretzky set in an Oilers uniform on May twenty sixth, nineteen eighty eight. It was a a special game, of course. Obviously, the Oilers won their fourth Stanley Cup in five years. But uh, I actually learned about this record from you on Twitter during a conversation we had a few months ago. So I'll just let you take it from there. Yeah, this was uh, this was a magical time, the Wayne Gretzky years in Edmonton. They were just about to come crashing to an end, but we didn't know it. Uh, in the spring of 1988, and... The Oilers uh, dashed the hopes of uh, of their various rivals along the way in those uh, uh, in those playoffs in '88. Uh, they won. I think I've got this right. All of their home games. They only the lost playoffs. two games that entire playoff run. Yeah, yeah, they went sixteen lost, and two. Yeah, yeah, they lost. Uh, they lost game three to the Jets. And they lost game three to the Red Wings, and they had uh, uh, they had this uh, this way that they 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 finished other teams with uh, with a flourish. The last game played in Winnipeg that year, the Oilers came from three nothing down, and they they beat the Jets five to three. The last game in Calgary that year. Uh, the Oilers came from two goals down, took it to overtime. Then Wayne, Wayne Gretzky scored the winning goal on the famous slapper over Mike Vernon's shoulder. That was it for hockey in Calgary that year. The series wasn't over, but the Calgary games were over. They finished hockey in Detroit that year with a, a Yari Curry goal in overtime in game four. But what happened in Boston was completely off the charts. The Oilers had... Uh, they won the first three games of the, of the Stanley Cup Finals, and Game Four was in Boston. And they, the, I remember the morning of the game, just kind of being in a quandary, saying, "You know, I really want to see the Oilers win the Cup. I want to see them win in a sweep. They've never had a sweep. I really want a sweep. But you know what? If they get a sweep, they're going to have to win it in Boston. I'm not going to get to right. see the Cup. I really want to see them get the Cup. How are they going? To, how am I going to see them get the Cup? So either way, you know, if they win in Game Four. On Boston, get the sweep. I'm happy. Obviously, we won the cup. They went in five, game five in Edmonton. I get to see the cup. I'm happy, but we didn't get the sweep. Well, this was that one incredible time in a one in a million where they flipped the coin and it landed on its edge. And neither result happened in game four. Uh, the Oilers had a two nothing lead. They they blew it. They fell behind three to two. And the very last moment of hockey in Boston. In '88, was Craig Simpson slamming home the three-to-three tally uh, at 16:37 of the second period? Remember it well. Score was tied. They just 
show the goal, they show the replay, and all of a sudden, boom, telecast off. And there was a power failure in Boston Garden. Score was tied. It wasn't like Edmonton was trailing or anything like that. The score was legitimately tied. And now what do they do? The the power, uh, they they were able to bring the broadcast back, but there were no lights. And eventually they decided, nope, they're not going to have any lights. So they're going to declare this game a tie. And they're going to come home to Edmonton and... So they're going to play game 4B in Edmonton. And in at least one definition mind, uh, the Oilers still have the the shot at the sweep because game 4A was really sort of inconclusive. It was a a null result, as they would say in in science. And uh, so they come home for game game 4. Of course, in this series, Gretzky's been piling up the points, you know, and is in his sort of usual usual fashion uh uh just let me bring him back to age for a moment but i know exactly where i'm taking this and 87 88 finals and so yeah he scored goal in game one or there's one two one he scored a goal and two assists in game two or there's one four to two he scored four assists that's taken and got a hat trick in game three or there's one six to three had two assists in the in the uh, in the nullified game, so he had ten points coming home for the final game against uh, against the Bruins, or what proved to be the final game against the Bruins, Game Four B, the Stanley Cup Finals, and he was at that point within striking distance of the NHL record set by Gordy Howe of twelve points in Stanley Cup Finals. What year was that? Uh, how was 55? I believe okay. it was 1955, and that record had been tied by two Montreal Canadiens in the same series, uh, against Chicago, Cornway and Jacques Lemaire. Oh, okay, had 12 points in a high scoring six game series in 73. This is 15 years after that now, and uh, so Gretzky needed uh, needed uh, three points in this uh. To, to set this record. And the Oilers would roll to victory in game uh, four, six to three. So they won all four of their games in that series. They doubled the Bruins. Um, and he set up uh, Tekin in for a goal in the first. Then he scored. His 12th point came on a goal that he scored in the second period uh, that put the Oilers ahead four to two. And that this would ultimately stand up to be the Stanley Cup winning goal. His last goal as an Edmonton Oiler was a Stanley Cup winner. If you want to go out, do it like that. <laughs> and this was in the second period. The one period of the three that the Oilers attacked the end of where we sat. So, you know, those those second period goals were extra special. And then with two seconds left in that second period, literally the last play of Gretzky coming towards our end as an Oiler, yeah, he made a great pass to Craig Simpson, who uh, polished it off. Two seconds left in the second period to make it 5-2 and basically put the game away. And that was his 13th point, his last point as an Oiler. And in addition to, you know, that milestone, it set the all-time record still standing for points by a player in the Stanley Cup final. And so, you know, even his very last swans. Oh, yeah, and he won the cup. 
and, uh, and he did that team picture thing. The oh, famous yeah, team got, picture tradition yeah, they started. Yeah. And then he got married in this, you know, this big ceremony downtown. It was like everything was was perfect. It was like 1988 was like, yeah, like you said, it was it was a fairy tale until it all kind of came crashing down a couple months later. <laughs> until then, yeah. But it really was. I mean, Janet Jones, she she actually sat on my row. I'm not making this up, I promise you. The we sat in the wives you. and girlfriends section. Okay. And so we saw we saw um various uh um well, wives and girlfriends of the mm-hmm. of the hockey players and and uh, coaches and stuff that sat down with us so there was uh, well some pretty nice looking ladies down there for one thing <laughs> janet jones she and she was a nice gal she'd always say hi on her way you know she sat a little further in the row so she would come in and we'd stand up and let her go by and she and she came by one time she had this huge huge diamond on her on her finger and it was uh, still a fabulous thing it would catch the light and you'd get this pure spectral colors coming off but you know this pure green pure blue you know like light sunlight right. through a prism kind of thing and uh just a gorgeous rock that you know and they got engaged during that season and of course married that july that in, in edmonton's royal wedding it amounted to i think it was called even canada's royal wedding yeah 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 pretty much anyway <laughs> that that was all sort of the extra icing on the cake as it were and there was a lot of cake and a lot of icing on those teams that for gretzky that was his last Stanley cup of course uh, but uh uh in edmonton it was four and five years with uh, him wearing the sea every one of the four presented on home ice like all these seasons had such happy endings to them except for calgary yeah 86 um I'm glad that the Oilers did win all of the cups with Gretzky in Edmonton as well. Like obviously they won the fifth one in the Boston Garden with mm-hmm. with Mark Messier as the captain, yep. but yep. that's that's you know great for the fans that they've they got to win it on home ice because you see so many Stanley Cup teams um they don't get to do that. Like I believe Sidney Crosby all three of his cups with the Penguins were on mm-hmm. the road. Mm-hmm. And you know it's I think it's so much more special when you can share that with your your home fans. I mean, a Stanley Cup's great any time, but right. if you can, if you can win it on home ice, that that's just like the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we again we got all four of these, and this is where that coin landing on its edge is uh, the analogy I've come up with for how Game Four ended. Like you could do a, you could do one of those computer simulations where you could do a million of them. Yeah. And you would either get uh Oilers winning in four or uh Oilers losing game four and winning in five or you might even get winning in six or you might even get losing in seven if you did a million of them but you would never get this you know sort of how did that happen we had yeah. a game that started and didn't finish and the next game is still scheduled for Edmonton so we're just going to play it there right <laughs> <laughs> it just couldn't couldn't really have worked out any uh uh, any uh, uh, any better in 88 so as swan songs go for Gretzky and of course then he had that great uh, that great moment here as a member of the LA Kings when he when he beat the Howe record that we talked about earlier but uh, uh, and he had a great moment in the all-star game uh, the 89 very next year's all-star game where he came back and and uh, lined up with Yari Curry and all was well with the world for 60 minutes. 
and he won the MVP of the All-Star Game, you know. So there was a couple of, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, encores, but this was sort of the end of the main act, and it, it ended with another cup, another record. Yeah. And a cup winning goal, team pitcher, you name it. It was all, it was all just about perfect. I mean, 1988 might be the most memorable calendar year of Wayne's entire career. If you look at everything, I can't say that with certainty, but I think just because of the trade alone, it makes it at least the most discussed season of his career. And when you add in all the accomplishments as well, the returning to Edmonton with the Kings in 88, getting the, the standing ovation, you know, and and all the things you just mentioned during the 88 playoff, the statue. Yeah. Like all these things kind of culminated in making it uh, uh, just a a year that has been so documented in his entire career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was changing of the guard when he went to, uh, uh, when he went to L.A., certainly, and it changed the course of the game. I'm still not convinced it was for the better, like many seem to think that it grew the game in the American market. I'm not sh- right. sure that. Well, um, selfish Canadian. I haven't seen the Stanley Cup disappear uh, stateside about 30 years ago and never coming back. And, you yeah. Know, it's, uh, <laughs> it seems it's like certain- the further south you are now, the more likely you are to win it. Yeah, I mean, it certainly grew the game in Los Angeles, I would say. And, and I, I think he is, Wayne is responsible for a, a lot of, um, you know, the teams that have popped up around the, the Sun Belt area. But uh, I guess you could say in the in the grand scheme of things for the growth of hockey, maybe Wayne going to L.A. was the best possible thing. But as an Oilers fan, and, and I, w- I mean, I was born like five months after the trade. I, I was like two two weeks old when that All-Star game happened in 1989. So I, I wasn't around for any of the the time Gretzky was an Oiler. But it's I, I suppose it would have been very hard for Oilers fans to appreciate that, you know, this is for the greater good of hockey when you're losing uh, the greatest player who ever played off your club team. Yeah. Well, good luck winning that argument at that time in this city. There was yeah, a, lot, exactly. a lot of bitterness. There was a lot of fingers pointed. Janet Jones took, a, I think, undeserved a share of, of criticism abuse. for, I mean, she was American from St. Louis set, you know, but I, I, I never put any credence in, in that she had anything to do with that. That was Pockington needing money was what that was about. And it was a, a sorry end to, uh, uh, you know, I mean, 10 years of business. I mean, credit Peter Pockington where do. He was the guy who brought Wayne Gretzky in and kept him around for 10 years and and, uh, uh, and produced this, you know, greatest team of all time, according to that one survey. Uh, but uh, at the end, it was uh, uh, it was not pretty. And, and to me, Pockington himself was the big culprit in that. Yeah. And uh, to end the podcast on a, on a brighter note than talking about the trade, I will ask you <clears throat> out of all the records we discussed tonight, which one is your favorite or do you think is the best one of, of this select uh, group of, of records? Oh boy. Uh, well, I mean, it's most, I actually, I actually once was at a, uh, at a uh, crowd event with, Wayne Gretzky is a speaker and people were allowed to ask questions. And I got to ask him one question. Hmm. 
Uh, and my question was, which is your greatest record? <laughs> so I'll let Wayne answer this question. He said to me what I thought he would say to me, which was 1539 mm-hmm. was the was the you know the the pinnacle moment, just the, the I guess the way uh, that that record was achieved with the, you know that surge in, in goals to to break that famous Maurice Richard record by 11 games, um, and so that was. Uh, I'd say the most spectacular of his records was that one. Right. But as we've discussed, time and time again, records, milestones, round numbers, uh, as he got close to them, he just didn't just get to the record. He just skated right through it and, and demolished it and just kept on going and and on and on and on to the to the next one. And that that's the sort of enduring uh takeaway of 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 Gretzky was that almost without exception when he set a record he would do so in spectacular fashion and leave no doubt whatsoever that this was mm-hmm. his record and uh uh you know the, the people that held it in the past you know they're they're you know their footnotes in history you can go back and say well Maurice Richard did, did used to hold this record, or Jean Belleville, or Gordy Howe, or Phil Esposito, or Bobby Orr. I mean, all of the greatest players in the history of hockey we're talking about here, right? Yeah. And uh, and and Wayne just methodically smashed their records one after the other. And here we are, you know, thirty-four years since he left Edmonton, and none of these records has been approached. You know, there it's like. The, the other guys are footnotes. Well, who are the guys uh, coming on after him, right? I mean, he he still just stands alone far ahead of everybody else and, you know, career marks, individual season marks uh, that uh, uh, there's no sign. It would take a major change in how the game is played, you know, in large nets or, you know. It'd be, yeah, you know, I don't major, want them to do anything. Major rule changes, three on three for 60 minutes, whatever. You know, it would take a a mammoth game, a change that would make the game almost unrecognizable. And instead, the changes that we've seen, by and large, have been to to uh, contain the game, to uh, uh, to play a more defensive style, to play a more systematic game, to have more parity in the league. I mean, it's been a big objective of the league as a whole, yeah. is the parity thing. And the way to maintain parity is to, uh, you know, to... <laughs> to keep the scores down is is well they try to call it competitive balance goals. right yes yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and so uh those i mean 30 years on he's still got those 61 records right um, mm-hmm. and, and we didn't maybe mention one this. here or there maybe Ovi will get that one <laughs> you know but uh I can't see anybody getting 1539 anytime soon. I can't see anyone getting 163 assists anytime soon. No. I can't see anyone going after 200 points in the foreseeable future. I mean, some of these are, you know, it's like Cy Young and his 511 wins that, you know, occurred before any of us was alive and just a completely unbreakable or Glenn Hall is 503 consecutive games as a goaltender. Mm. You never know, will happen again. Of, yeah, I mean, the whole circumstance of the game is played that you would, that would never be an objective even anymore. No, they'd right? want goalies to rest before yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. and and I I'm glad that you described the uh, 50 and 39 as Wayne's most spectacular record because if we sit here and say what's his most unbreakable record, well, they're all equally unbreakable. <laughs> it's it's just as unlikely 
that someone will uh, come around and hit 2,000 assists one day as it is that someone will score 50 goals in 38 games. I mean, they're they're equally impossible. Again, not without some kind of a major uh, shift in how the game is uh, is uh, conceived, not just how it's played. I think, and I, I, I there's no sign of that you know, all these decades later. And uh, uh, I certainly don't anticipate it's happening in my lifetime. No, and probably not in mine either. Well, Bruce, I just wanted to thank you again for being on the podcast. I mean, I could listen to stories about Gretzky and the Oilers glory years all night. So I appreciate you taking the time to share all those memories again. And uh, just quickly before we call it a night, do you have any new posts up at the Cult of Hockey that the listeners should check out? Oh, well, the ongoing thing, you know, we uh, we do the um, the player grades after each game, and of course we do player analysis. I wrote wrote a piece today about Mike Smith, that was uh, a little less happy than some of the stuff we've been talking about uh, on this podcast. But mm-hmm. you know, this a current issue of the day, and that's uh, that's really what we try and uh, uh, try and stay on top of is uh, uh, Oilers news. There's three of us that uh, that uh, that write about the team there and. This is uh, for me 14th year as a as a blogger, and 12th with the uh, with the cult of hockey and and uh, uh, keep on keeping on is is the thing. And uh, I I used to write a lot of historic posts about the old days yeah. and at that uh, especially when I wrote for the Copper and Blue. And if if you're interested in reading about some of this stuff, you can Google my name and and. Uh, a specific record or you know whatever and and there's there's uh uh there's stories out there about the you know about the the uh personal services contract or about the 1539 or you know the 1851 or what have you and th- those were those were fun but nowadays i find people are very much into the here and now and, and mm-hmm. not so so i hope people do listen to and enjoy this this uh podcast cuz the good old days this town, at least, really were good. I, I think Alas, that people will enjoy old it. And I'm, I'm old, <laughs> but not too old to have forgotten about some of these moments of was a hockey fan's dream come true. Yeah, and I just want to say I really enjoy a lot of those old posts of yours. I remember you had the the post uh, about Gretzky breaking Howe's all-time point record, and I think it was titled The Man in the Black Hat. That was about his return to Edmonton, The Man in the Black Hat. The, the Man then, in the Black Hat, sorry. Yeah. And that was the first when Wayne first came back wearing the wrong color clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and I think the the timestamp on a lot of those was like 2010, 2011, 2012, yeah. I think. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, but um, obviously fun to go read about the, just like it is to talk about it, to hear about the, the old days of uh, Oilers glory. Yeah, well, it was, I really went on a, on a stream of that at a time, and the cult of hockey, we're, we're always concentrating on the current team. Yeah. And, and once in a long while, I'll throw in one of those uh, uh, one of those pieces. There is one in there, What what is Wayne Gretzky's greatest record, which was inspired by that time I actually had the chance to ask him that question. I wrote a post mm-hmm. based on it, and that was a bit of fun. I listed a few of the incredible records i think i listed nine of the 61 well i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure most people uh listening to this podcast have read your work before but if anyone hasn't uh seen bruce's new uh 
post about Mike Smith. Everyone go check that out, please. And uh, I hope you'll be back on the podcast again sometime, Bruce. It was fun talking to you again. Yeah, great fun indeed, Eric. And thanks for inviting me. All right. So for Bruce McCurdy, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever podcast. We're out.